Today's Bible reading is from Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 to um, chapter 2, verse 10, on page 943 of the Pew Bible. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. Later I returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him for fifteen days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy and they praised God because of me. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and, meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment, so that for the truth of, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who are held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that they, that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Thank you. Please keep your Bibles open as we uh, look at this passage this morning. Well, have you ever heard of Wilson Edwards? Wilson Edwards. At the height of COVID, Edwards made several posts on his Facebook page slamming the United States for blaming COVID leaks from a Wuhan lab. He said he was a Swiss national, he was a biologist working in the Wuhan lab and blamed the US for politicizing the origins of COVID. But no one would have known of Edwards if it wasn't for the China Daily picking up his thread and the People's Daily picking up the story and the Chinese state-run station CGTN reporting Edwards' claims on TV. You see, Edwards only had three friends on Facebook and his Facebook account had only just been created. 
And so after the China Daily made his comments go viral, the embassy of Switzerland looked into the nationals, uh, into this national of theirs, and found that he actually didn't exist. He was a fake Swiss biologist created by the Chinese government to put pressure on the World Health Organization to stop investigating the origins of COVID. Don't you hate fake news? If only what we read in the papers and hear on the news is always the truth. But we have to be discerning to know where we get our information and to verify if it's true or not. But it's not just misinformation that's so prolific in uh, our society, it's also in our marketplaces. Uh, so when you buy fish, uh, one of the telltale signs of whether a fish is fresh or not is to look at its eyes. If its eyes clear, it's fresh. If its eyes cloudy, then it's not fresh. Don't buy it. So there's a fishmonger in Kuwait who had some old fish to sell. And what did they do to uh, help move the product? Well, they put some googly eyes on their fish, hoping no one would notice. But then the googly eye came unstuck, and the gimmick was over. Uh, they were investigated, and the, clo uh, the shop is no longer open. Don't you hate it when you're being deceived? Like buying off old and off fish, or a counterfeit um, handbag or second-hand car that turns out to be a lemon. Uh, and sometimes uh, people can be deceiving as well. People don't appear to be who they claim to be. Uh, so when a man dresses in Australian Defence Force commando gear and goes to McDonald's in Arabina in Queensland, a rap officer happens to be in the restaurant at the same time. And he notices the uniform. He, uh, he notices that uh, the, the, the commando is wearing a current ADF, a shirt and pants. Uh, the uh, commando appears to be a rank slave of a private. But then he notices the badge. The badge is in the wrong position. But also uh, uh, notices that aspects of his uniform is actually outdated. It's not the current uniform. And so the rap senior sergeant, Stuart Reed approaches the man questions him in relation to his rank and status, and confirms he isn't a current Australian Defence Force commando, but a former Navy clearance diver who only served for two months. And so he's detained. Police accord, his uniform seized, and the man's charged under the Commonwealth Criminal Code for impersonating a, commanding, a Commonwealth officer. Now, I have to say, if I was at that Macca's, and I saw that man, I'd believe that he's a commando, that he's part of our defense force. I wouldn't be any wiser. And so sometimes it takes someone who knows their stuff to know what to look out for to tell you what's really under the bonnet so that you're not deceived, that you believe in the truth. And that's what Paul does in this letter to the churches in Galatia. For you know, as we saw last week, they were being deceived. They were turning to a different gospel. But Paul is saying you can't believe them. What they're teaching you is a lie. It's not the true gospel. You must believe me because I'm a true apostle. I'm an apostle sent by Jesus and I came to preach about Jesus. And so we see him make this point again in verse 11. Have a look at it with me with your Bibles open. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, he tells these Christians, these churches in Galatia that he planted, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. 
I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. You see, Paul's at pains to convince the churches in Galatia that he's a genuine apostle and that the gospel he preaches is the real deal. He's not a fake Wuhan scientist. He's not offering them off fish. He's not imitating as an apostle. He's the real deal. You can look into him. You can send private investigators to dig up dirt about him. You can put him under the microscope and cross-examine him all you like, but you'll find that he's no fraud. He's an apostle sent by Jesus himself to preach the gospel about Jesus because he received it by revelation. He had a direct line to Jesus in a way that you and I don't. He had a relationship with Jesus that you and I don't. For Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, revealed himself to the Apostle Paul and spoke directly to the Apostle Paul in a way that Jesus doesn't do to you and me. But of course you might be wondering at this point, well, it's one thing for Paul to say that, but how can we believe him? I mean, anyone can claim that they've received the revelation from God. So how do we know that Paul's revelation really actually happened? I mean, I can say that God has revealed something to me last night. But that doesn't necessarily make it true. I mean, it could be, or I could be lying. Or it could be my imagination that I was seeing things that weren't really there. You see, the problem for us and for people who claim to have a revelation from God is that no one can verify it. If I told you I had a revelation last night, you can't verify it. You have to believe my word. And that's why I'm not a Muslim, for example. Because in Islam, Muhammad claims that the archangel Gabriel dictated the Quran to him in a cave with no eyewitnesses. No one heard it, no one saw it. Only Muhammad did in secret in a cave away from everyone else. And Muhammad failed to convince the people of Mecca to believe in him as the last and true prophet. He went to Medina with violence and the sword to make converts. Uh, this is what it says in the Quran. Let me quote it in Surah chapter 9. Fight and slay the pagans wherever ye find them. Fight those who believe not in God nor the last day, even if they are of the people of the book, that is Christians and Jews, until they pay the jizya, which is a tribute, a tax, with willing submission and feel themselves subdued. What is happening with ISIS in years gone by, just in the last few years, is them obeying this command. That is, unless you convert to Islam, you'll be either killed or subject to paying taxes and tributes, and that is essentially enslaving yourself to Muslims. So you can either become a Muslim, or you'll die by the sword, or you become a slave. They're their only choices. That is, Islam became a global religion because one man claimed to have a revelation. And he used violence to force conversions. And so the question is, how is Christianity any different? How is the gospel that was revealed to the Apostle Paul any different? Because Paul is claiming that he has received the gospel by revelation as well. 
Well, for one, Christianity isn't a secret religion. It didn't start with one person in a secret cave away from everyone else based on a secret encounter with a secretive angel. But it's based on public testimony of hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of people, people who saw Jesus leave and do the miracles, people who were actually impacted by the miracles and witnessed it themselves, people who saw Jesus die on the on the cross and knew where he was buried and saw the risen Lord Jesus and 500 even saw him ascending to heaven, including the apostle Paul. He was one who saw the risen Lord Jesus. And in today's passage, Paul proves that he's a genuine apostle, that he's not a fraud because he received the one and only true gospel directly from Jesus and he tells us and he convinces us that he is speaking the truth by telling us his testimony. And we can break up his testimony into three main sections. Paul's conversion, Paul's ministry, and Paul's fellowship. So the first is Paul's conversion from verse uh, 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 third, um, 11. No, 12, sorry. Now he was a Jew of Jews, a Pharisee of Pharisees, and his zeal for Judaism was second to none. He went to the Harvard University of Tarsus, he was trained by the most renowned professor, Gamaliel, and he knew the scriptures like the back of his hand. His pedigree linked him back to Abraham, therefore to the promises of God. His achievements were of high distinction, and he obeyed the laws of Moses like his life depended on it. And so when Jews began to put their faith in Jesus, what did Paul, this zealous Jew, do? Well, he went and pursued the Christians, and he went to persecute them not just with words he pursued them with the sword verse 13 for you have heard of my previous way of life in judaism how intensely i persecuted the church of god and tried to destroy it i was advancing in judaism before many of my own age among my people and i was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers you see you couldn't have lived a more perfect life a more holy life then Paul did. And so if Paul was standing at heaven's gates as a Jew of Jews, as a Pharisee of Pharisees, he'd say to God, look at my pedigree. I'm a Jew of Jew. Look at my achievements. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I deserve my place in heaven. I've earned it. So let me in and let me through heaven's gates. That's why he defended Judaism with all he had. He did everything within his power to annihilate Christianity from the face of the earth. But all that changed, you see, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. In Acts chapter 9, we're told of his conversion story when he was on his way to arrest Christians and imprison them. Verse 15, But when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal, revelation again, his son to me, so that I might preach among the Gentiles. Now, if you want to read the account of Paul's conversion, read Acts chapter 9. It's a fantastic story. And you'll know when you read it that Paul is very different to Muhammad. Because when Paul was converted, when Paul received a revelation from Jesus, when Jesus stood right in front of him, it was public. It wasn't hidden in the cave, it was on the road, the main road 
to a major city. Like it was happening on Swanson Street. Lots of people were around. And they saw the bright light. They saw that Paul became instantly blind. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says that whatever his pedigree, whatever his achievements, whatever performance he considers rubbish, garbage. <clears throat> you see, friends, if Paul can't boast in himself, he, if he can't put any confidence in his own flesh, in his own pedigree, in his own achievements, in, in how good of a person he is, how obedient to the law he is, then neither can a Pharisee or Sadducee, because he exceeds them. Neither a Jew or Gentile, because he's better than them. And neither you or me. And therefore neither anyone who claims, like the Judaizers, who were preaching this different gospel in Galatia, that the Gentiles needed to obey the law of Moses. And so if you think that God will let you through heaven's gates, because your parents or your grandparents are Christians, because of your pedigree, that you come from a good family, but you personally have not put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you're fooling yourself, you're not getting in. If you think that God will let you through heaven's gates because you've been a good person, you give to char charity, you help the sick, you, you, you look after people when they're in need, and you think that Jesus is a role model and a good person who has good teachings, then you're fooling yourself. You're not getting into heaven because good people don't get into heaven. You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ, just as the Apostle Paul did. You need to trust in Jesus to save you from your sins, as we saw last week in chapter 1, verse 4. You need to believe that Jesus is saving you from this present evil age. And you can't save yourself, but Jesus must save you. So that at heaven's gates, your ticket through the gates is Jesus and Jesus alone. It's because of what Jesus has done for you and not what you've done for him. It's how good he's been to you by dying for you, by washing away your sins, by saving you from eternal death and not how good of a person you are. But, but why, why is Paul telling us this? How, how does this prove that he's an apostle? That his revelation is true? Well, it's because of this. Paul had everything to lose and nothing to gain. His parents probably disowned him. His friends probably ran away from him. Everything he believed was wrong. Everything he worked towards in his life was rubbish, was useless. But even though Paul lost all he had ever known and ever believed, he now had something even better, something he wanted all along, and that was forgiveness and freedom, salvation and hope by grace through faith in Christ alone. By losing everything, he gained everything. And so, friends, make sure you don't just know the gospel, but you actually consider all your efforts of being a good person, of anything that you think you can do for God to earn your way into heaven, 
you consider rubbish. For your ticket to heaven is faith in Christ alone. Now, the second reason we know Paul met Jesus is because he knew the gospel without consulting anyone. He didn't attend any courses. He didn't read any books. He didn't search up chat GPT. After receiving the gospel from Jesus, he went to preach the gospel about Jesus. Verse 15, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to, into Arabia. Later I returned to Damascus. You see, Paul's point here is that he went to Arabia and not to Jerusalem. After receiving the gospel from Jesus, he didn't go to Jerusalem for instruction or training, reception or confirmation. He went to Arabia to preach the gospel. And it was only after three years that he met with Cephas, or as we know him, the Apostle Peter, as well as James, the brother of Jesus, verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. You see, if Muhammad went to Medina and then he met Lots and lots of other people who received the exact same revelation. He might be a little bit more believable, but he didn't. Whereas with Paul, everyone in the Christian world knew that he was a persecutor of the church. But then when word spread about his ministry and about his conversion, they praised God for him. Verse 21, then I sent to Syria, then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. You see, Paul did a complete 180. That's what repentance is. A complete 180. You're heading down the path of God is going to accept me because I'm a good person and I obey the laws. And a 180 is turning away from that and saying, that's all rubbish. That will never get me to heaven. It's putting my faith in Jesus. He became a Christian. And so Paul the persecutor became Paul the preacher. Paul the persecutor became Paul the persecuted. And so not only was Paul's conversion public, his ministry was public. And even though he went to preach the gospel for three years, before he even met one other apostle, the gospel he preached was the exact same gospel they preached. Which leads me to my third and final point. Paul was given the right hand of fellowship because the gospel he preached that he received by revelation from Jesus was the exact same gospel that the apostles preached who spent three years with Jesus before his death and resurrection. This was confirmed in Jerusalem, uh, which was uh, like the international headquarters of the church at that time. And he went there not to make sure that 
his gospel was true because he knew it was true. He got it from Jesus directly. But what he wanted to do was to make sure that the apostles in Jerusalem isn't undermining his gospel, his ministry. And so let's look at chapter 2 from verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation. See that word again. Jesus didn't reveal himself just once to Paul. He had a direct line to Jesus in a way that we don't. And meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, which we'll get to, such as James and John and Peter, I presented to them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Now, it might sound like Paul was afraid he had been preaching the wrong gospel, and so his ministry would have been pointless. But that's not what Paul's saying. He knew he preached the one and only true gospel because he received it by revelation. And he also knew that the Jerusalem apostles preached the same gospel as well. But he was afraid that the Jerusalem apostles might not, might not, might not be true to the gospel. That is, they might not appreciate the implications of the gospel and its effects on the Gentile believers. You see, the Jerusalem apostles were already Jews. They, they evangelized Jews. And so the question as to whether you need to first become a Jew before you become a Christian wasn't a question they'd ask because they were already a Jew evangelizing Jews. The question concerning circumcision or obeying the food laws, for example, weren't questions they'd be asking because they weren't questions they had to work through to get an answer for because they were already circumcised. They were already obeying the food laws. But it was different for Paul, you see, because he was the apostle to the Gentiles. He was evangelizing pagans, non-Jews. And the Judaizers who were infiltrating the church in Galatia argued that Gentiles have to become a Jew first before you can become a Christian. So you have to get circumcised, you have to obey the Old Testament food laws, for example. But Paul says, no, you don't. That's a false gospel. And he was wondering whether the Jerusalem apostles were on the same page. And thankfully, when he went, the Jerusalem apostles agreed with him. And the case in point is Titus. Because Titus was Greek, a Gentile, a non-Jew. And he wasn't compelled to be circumcised neither by Paul nor the Jerusalem apostles. So verse 3, yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus to make us slaves. We do not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. You see, this day that Paul met with the Jerusalem apostles, to know that they weren't just on the same page in the message of the gospel, but the implications of the gospel was a great day for the gospel for you and me. Because if the Jerusalem apostles compelled Titus to be circumcised, not only would it have undermined Paul's ministry, it would have been become a stumbling block to the churches he had planted. If the other apostles didn't confirm his message and renounce the false teachers, it would have been very hard for him to convince the churches in Galatia that the Judaizers are wrong and that he's right. 
two virtually different religions would have emerged that day. But praise God, it didn't because Paul preached the gospel he received directly from Jesus, just as the Jerusalem apostles did. And their acceptance of Titus was proof of their acceptance of Paul's ministry and the radical implications that the gospel has. The only difference was Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles and Peter was the apostle to the Jews. From verse 6, as for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. And they asked, uh, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Have you ever been conned or sold a fake product? Have you ever been, have you ever fallen for a scam and you did something that you shouldn't have done, like transfer money to a bank account that wasn't legit? It's the worst feeling, isn't it? Being tricked and deceived. I remember in Hong Kong about 20 years ago, I went to a shop that sold CDs and DVDs and I noticed a Les Miserables CD and I couldn't believe it because I had been looking for it and I finally found it. But before I paid for it, I asked the shopkeeper just to be sure, is this original? And he said, yes. But I was a little sceptical so I thought I'll just spend a bit more time looking at it. And I started reading even the credits and I noticed some spelling mistakes. And I said to the shopkeeper again, are you sure this is an original? Because there's some English mistakes in And he didn't speak English. And he, he said, it's original, original copy. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard work whether someone or something is authentic. It would have been easy to spot googly eyes on a fish for sale than to spot a fake commando at McDonald's. Unless you know what you're looking for, you may be none the wiser. And unfortunately, there are countless false gospels that are being preached today. Just as there were 2,000 years ago in the churches that the apostles planted themselves. And so we have to know the gospel. Otherwise, we might be deceived into believing in a lie. The stakes, you see, friends, can't be any higher. For the gospel we believe doesn't just shape the way we live now, but it will determine whether we enter heaven's gates. It will determine where we spend the rest of eternity. And as we've seen this morning, no matter which way you look at it, Paul wasn't a fake apostle. He wasn't counterfeit in any way. He was a genuine apostle, the real deal, and his testimony proves it. And so I want to ask you this morning, Just as Paul was an authentic, genuine apostle, 
that no matter which way you look at him, he's the real deal. And what I want to ask you this morning is, are you the real deal? Are you a genuine Christian? Do you actually believe in the one and only gospel? If a private investigator was sent to investigate you and leave no stone unturned, to look through your messages, to look at the way you live, to to get into your mind and how you make decisions, is Jesus your Lord, the one in whom you love? Because even though Paul preached the gospel to the churches in Galatia, they still turned to a different gospel. And here at CSAC, we preach the same gospel, the gospel that Paul preached. And if the churches he planted were in danger of turning to a different gospel, how much more are we in danger of turning to a different gospel? For we are not an apostle. We don't have that direct line to Jesus the way the apostles did. So how much more... In danger are we to turn to a different gospel? And so I want to encourage you today to make sure that you not just know the gospel and believe the one and only true gospel, but to preach the gospel to yourself every day so that you'll never turn to the left or to the right, but you'll stay on the straight and narrow path. I want to encourage you to remind yourself that your salvation is not by how good I am and whether I'm, I'm following Jesus' example, but whether I believe that Jesus has died for me, has saved me from my sins and is saving me from this present evil age. I want to encourage you to share your testimony just as the Apostle Paul did. Not to shine a limelight on you, but to shine a limelight on Jesus and his gospel who hasn't just saved you but continues to save you every day, to forgive you every day for your sins and from this evil age. But friends, if you can't explain the gospel, present the gospel, and bring someone to saving faith through the gospel, then you may not be a Christian. If you're not sure whether God will let you through the open gates of heaven, if you don't know, then you may not be a Christian. And if that's where you're at, then I'm, I'm so glad you're here because you're hearing the gospel. And I want to invite you to, to talk to me, to have coffee with me, to meet up regularly, to read the Bible together. For salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved.